Welcome to Infinitely Rational, where we discuss the real eccentric and complex history of mathematics. Brought to you by Mathematical Expressions. I'm your host, Natalie, the resident math nerd. And I'm Kay, your researcher of weird things. In this episode, we'll answer the following questions. How can you ensure your book never goes out of print? Do you always have to play by the rules of the game? What do either of these have to do with math? Let's find out. Welcome back. So last time we talked a little bit about Euclid, the idea of Euclid and some geometry. And again, we have our special guest, Dr. Anthony Carreras, to continue digging into some of the philosophy. All right, we're back. So the elements. So this was the first text to combine and order the current mathematical knowledge of the day, right? So Euclid is not creating anything radically new as mm -hmm. far as the individual pieces of, of mathematical knowledge. He's taking stuff that was already known, he's putting it all together, and he's showing how things can be proven. Nice. Okay. Yeah, so it was widely used as a math textbook. Uh -huh. And uh, some author who said it's, it's second only to the Bible in its longevity and influence. It has nearly a thousand editions. So, question, is there like a King James version? Uh, I don't know, but uh, every hotel should have one. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, like, there should be every hotel should have a Bible and uh, the elements. <laughs> yes, I am here for that. <laughs> so let's chat about what it really is. First of all, it's not really a book. Uh, I guess it depends what you mean by book. We'll talk about defining what is a book. But well, it's a set of thirteen scrolls of parchment, right? And it was, uh, or it was when it was first recorded. Okay, so you right? know what I'm going to imagine. Tell me. I am going to imagine that they're tied up with really fancy, you know, maroon ribbon. Mm -hmm. You know, when you go to papyrus or some stationery store, and you find your oh, this parchment and it's beautiful. That's how I'm going to imagine the elements. Is you so in your in your hotel room drawer, right? You've got <laughs> right, the Bible. It's a scroll. You've got this, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah, wrapped up in the ribbon. I yes, like that. Correct, I like that. Correct. All right, cool. We'll go with that. <laughs> So we also, we don't have uh, the original first two to four, mm -hmm. that, well, depending on what source you're looking at, what, what scholar you're looking at here. Two, it's believed that we actually have an edition that's written by Hippocrates, and I need to clarify here. The, the physician? Here, not the physician, oh. I'm glad you said that. The Pythagorean, because oh, right, right. again, apparently Hippocrates so not also the Hippocratic oath right, guy. yeah. But uh, he Hippocrates also made the list of top ten names. Mm. So you know, we've got what do we have? Pythagoras, Euclid, Aristophanes, Hippocrates, Plato, Aristotle. We're at six. Maybe we'll find the other four. I'm, I'm bringing Thales, Thales back seven? if I if okay. I ever have another child, but do I won't. It. So <laughs> <laughs> wait, maybe you could change one yeah. of their middle names. I I well. Uh, you know, yeah, I have two girls, and uh, oh, I don't. That, yeah, that, you're I right. don't know how they'd feel after the fact now about the, getting a middle name called Thales. Th we'll they're see. not okay with that. They, <laughs> Probably they would not. not. Be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your better. youngest, she she might be okay. You might be able to sway her if you can Maybe. convince her. She she's really she's amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if she doesn't like it, she'll just punch me. So that's what she was <laughs> doing. Hilarious. You know. All right. So so we've seen in uh, in ancient uh, times, there's this practice of attributing works to uh, famous people. Right. Except in the case of uh, Descartes and mm -hmm. uh, Fermat, perhaps. Feel but, uh, that. Right. Um, so some versions have a like a fourteenth and a fifteenth book. Right. So there's it's all, all all kinds of sort of crazy stuff going on with them. I guess. 
this is how you could ensure that your book never goes out of print, that your publisher always comes up with new editions. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like Harry Potter. And and so Kay always tells me I need to quit talking about Harry Potter, but she's not here, so I can talk about it. Um, where you know they just came out with the Jim K illustrated editions, and so even right. if you had the originals, you're like, well, okay, now I got to have the illustrated. And then they added another edition with the house books, so you've got like the like I got Kay for her birthday the Slytherin, well, for both of us, the Slytherin edition oh. of of uh, the Harry Potter books. But, you know, some collectors will want the Gryffindor and the Ravenclaw and the Hufflepuff and the Slytherin to have the full collection. Were you sorted into Slytherin? You know I was. <laughs> come on, cunning, ambitious, by any means necessary. Oh, man, come on now. Yeah. Come on did, now. Did you know that the first book of the in the Harry Potter series was actually called Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Philo oh, Stone? You, that is, yeah. ex you think I don't know? Come on yeah. now. Come on, son. Yeah, and like, how, how did philosophers become sorcerers? Well, actually, I kinda, I'll tell you, know. you because it is like a huge thing in the fandom. Hmm. So when she got it published in the UK, um, it was Philosopher's Stone for right. the obvious reason that it is the Philosopher's Stone. Yeah. When it came over to an American audience, they felt that we wouldn't resonate with it being... Because the, the British are so much smarter than us? Is that I, it? So, I don't know, dude. I don't know. But it was a huge thing. But so here's what's interesting. With the new... Uh, Bloomsbury is the publisher. With the new... Slytherin, uh, the house editions, I'm uh -huh. sorry, for those of you people that aren't in Slytherin. But uh, the new house editions, they actually printed the Philosopher's Stone. And so you can purchase now the Philosopher's Stone. And it's actually really cool because mm. it's got slightly like it. different verbiage. It's actually the UK edition. I, I want that version. You should get yeah. that. It's really cool, especially the house books, because it's got all the little, um, like it'll tell you about Slytherin house, or it'll tell you about Salazar Slytherin, or whoever, you know, whatever house you buy. So it's really cool. Does, is Euclid ever mentioned in Harry Potter? He should be. No, I don't think so. You need to know math in order to be good at magic, for sure. Well, arithmancy. Yeah, that, there you go. <laughs> also, I'm sure Sybil Trelawney um, had to know a little bit of math, probably. If there was a math test, you know that Hermione got an A on you it. You know that's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so 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 where are we here? So so Euclid, right? The the uh, the elements it's copied over and mm -hmm. over. There's errors and variations, and uh, you know because of the lack of a printing press, right. there's all kinds of edits being made. We talked about how Theon. Uh, Hypatia's father mm -hmm. made uh, made a very specific edit in one version of it, um, trying to improve upon it. And uh, but it, uh, whatever the case may be, Euclid is the sort of the poster boy for geometry. Even though the elements doesn't contain any like brand new math at the time, he systematizes things. He's got these axiom axioms, definitions, postulates, and with these axioms, definitions, and postulates, he just shows how all this other stuff can be proven from it. And you know, so you're using some math words, yeah. And I appreciate that. And we're gonna loosen it up a little bit because you know we like Kay would be so upset if she thought that we used too much math. But uh, we'll loosen <laughs> Sorry, it up Kay. a little bit. Yeah. But uh, don't come after me, Twitter. <laughs> But we're using geometry very loosely here. You know, in the last episode, we talked about how uh, it was basically just um, an unmarked straight edge and two compasses, as they say. But that's what's called Euclidean geometry. Right. And so there are other geometries that I'll talk about in a little bit, because of course there are. Uh, but in their time, you know, we talked about two compasses and a straight edge. They just used whatever tool they had available. Yeah. Yeah. You just said that Euclid compiled all this knowledge. Yep. I kind of feel like he's like the Grimm's or Homer, where it's like, you know, 
uh, Euclid's fairy tales, aka the elements, right. where he's just compiled all the stories so that other people can read it, or all the definitions, <sighs> or whatever it is. Yeah, maybe he saw himself as uh, something like that, or if uh, or if Euclid was just the name of a group, maybe the group saw themselves like. Why this does that now? make yeah. me feel like it's a band, the Euclids? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Euclid would be a great name for a band. But but you know too, with respect to to the elements, it's basically just geometry for dummies. Some smart dummies. <laughs> he's had 15 years yeah. or however many you need to get into the academy yeah. but he really did try to make in the elements tried to make it accessible to all like he wanted math to be accessible yes and i love too just as i was actually reading some of the elements um he makes this relationship between geometry which is really very visual if you think about it circles and things like that triangles and squares mm -hmm. and rectangles but he makes this relationship between the very visible geometry and the tactile i think arguably geometry and algebra yes and yeah. if you know if you think about it there's uh like there's a, a geometric representation of the pythagorean theorem it's actually a gif that or, or gif if you feel so oh, i haven't seen that but yeah it's really mm. cool where like water moves from the the squares into the or the triangles into the square so you can see how it where it's oh, really cool very nice. but it's really nice to see how he made this you know how the relationship is between these two different different uh yeah of same subject yeah but. it's also been said to have a geometry that has the same relationship to math as the alphabet has to language that's right? cool so it's, I like yeah that it's sentence. interesting little See, uh, you analogy are up the joint. yeah oh man I, I didn't expect to do that but uh <laughs> it, interesting little analogy right the alphabet right is sort of like the building blocks of uh like the most basic elements of language right and you think maybe think of it that way and mm -hmm. geometry having to deal with the sort of basic elements and building blocks of uh mathematics yeah. i like that you talked a little about axioms, postulates, mm, you know, yes. and, and I'm going to throw in some lemma, corollary, theorem, yeah. mathy words, wahaha. And I'm so excited. We, we do mathy words on this, right? Yeah. Mathy this is my words. first time here, people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, a yeah. math podcast. Okay. So Kay's in the stacks right now, so I get to get away with being... She is. She is. Oh. I, get a, I get to get away with being a little more mathy. But don't worry, guys. I promise it won't get too bad. In Alexandria... The Elements was first imagined on antediluvian scrolls of parchment. We've recreated the events of each story in precise detail in the hopes that someone, somewhere, knows the truth. Witnesses say these mathematical proofs can be easily seen, but there are over 1,000 different accounts. You may be able to assist in cracking a baffling theorem. Help the Federal Bureau of Mathematics investigators solve them on an all-new Mathematical Mysteries this Wednesday. The Toughest Proofs the most conflicting stories. If you've seen these lemmas or corollaries, call our hotline now. So, Kay and I love playing board games. Hmm. Shout out to Betrayal at House on the Hill. That's kind of our favorite right now. But essentially, like we talk about axioms and you're going to get into this a little bit. Yeah. But you can think about axioms as the rules of the game. And when I say rules, I'm not talking house rules. I am talking this is the rule book right. that is blessed. And so you can't like... You we, have to take them as a given. Exactly. Right? You, can't, you go questioning the rules and it's like, why are you playing the correct, game? Correct, Because right? that's exact, what the game is. Exactly you know? correct. Yeah. And so if you want to play whatever particular game, you got to play by the rules. Yeah. So if you don't, you know, you're welcome to play a different game. No one's telling you like you have to play this one, but it just won't be the one defined by these rules. Right. For example, if you've got a deck of cards, right? Like I'm going to pull out this deck of cards and we're going to play a game. 
if I'm playing by the rules of hearts and you're playing by the rules of spades, what are we even doing? Uh, we're, we're not playing a game together. That's correct. For sure. yeah. Correct. Yeah. But which is more true? Which rules are more true? Hearts or spades? Oh, again, classing yeah. up the joint. You know, you know, but so, I mean, that's like, you know, cause I think the, the axioms Euclid would say, they're just, they're, they're true. They're always true. You can't not play that game. Yeah. Right? It's everywhere. Math's everywhere. Right. Yeah. Math's part of reality. Can't escape it. And you yeah. got, you know, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, you're yeah. right. All right. So, so yes, the axioms are, they're really crucial because they're like, they're the foundation of everything. Everything mm -hmm. begins with the axioms. Any, anything we know when it comes to geometry in Euclidean geometry, mm -hmm. everything we know is either an axiom itself, in which case it, it's just sort of it self, is. self, it is, it's self-evidently yeah. true. You're right? playing by these rules. Right, yeah. right. It's mm -hmm. self-evidently true, right? Uh, things that are equal to, things that are equal to the same thing are equal to each other mm -hmm. as an example of right. one of them. Um, so everything we know is either an axiom itself like that, or it's, or it's derived from an axiom, right? Mm -hmm. Deduction, logic, we show what follows from these things. Which yeah. you just talked about, it was the, um, the building blocks of math. But, but um, so another interesting thing about the elements, there's mm -hmm. no introduction or preface. He just jumps right into his uh, list of 23 definitions and you then the axioms and the postures. This. You this. I love it. This is another reason. Cut to the chase. Yes, I love mathematicians for this. So, yeah. in my previous life, before I was a math professor, mm. I used to supervise a tutoring center. Really? Yeah, I used to, first it was just math, but then... Uh, it's hard for me to picture you doing anything but math. <laughs> well, at, while I was doing the math tutoring center, because I was doing math, but oh, yeah. then they pulled in and they said, will you also supervise the writing center? Oh. So, if you think about the disciplines that both of these serve... Very different people. Correct. Yeah. And what I found was, you know, in my time in the math lab... I could go to any math instructor and I could say, uh, math instructor X, I need this thing. Like there was no preamble. It was just thing. Let's solve it. See you later. There you go. And then we could hang out and have fun later. But immediately I could just go in and no preamble, just like you're saying with you. Yeah, because math mathematicians are like, like get, show me the proof, show me the steps. Boom. We're right. done. Yeah. yeah. And if we want to hang out, like we'll do that later. Fine. Yeah. But when I moved into the writing lab and I started having to interface with the folks in those disciplines, I found that the better way to approach them- They wanted to talk to you. They did. <laughs> they, and, and like, you know, it was, it was always a great, I always learned new words. Superlative. I am sure. There you go. Yeah, yeah that's Improved a your one. vocabulary. Yeah. 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 But I couldn't go in there and just solve the problem. I needed to have an introduction. I needed to have my, you know, body paragraphs and I needed to have a conclusion. Yeah, I get what you're saying. You know, it's, it's funny. Philosophers, a lot of them today are, are more like mathematicians in this respect, or nice. at least what, you know, analytic philosophy mm -hmm. as it's, uh, as it, as it, the name that goes under, like, the, like folks in this vein are, are very much about getting to the point. Like, just, just tell me what your thesis is and give me the argument. You know what? That's yeah. probably why we get along so well. I think so. Mm -hmm. I think so. Don't waste yeah. my time. Yeah. No, I tell my, I tell my students <laughs> in their papers, like, if, they're un if their introductory paragraph has more than two sentences, they've written too much. Man, I feel that. Yeah. I feel it. So, so Euclid has these definitions, mm -hmm. right? Basic definitions of basic terms like line, point, circle. Oh, the drawing tools in Word. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. And as we'll see, um, you know, it's probably the case that modern rigor, mm -hmm. you could say, might not might not think kindly upon these definitions, right? Might might find uh, the the assumptions uh, to be inadequate. So I'll yeah. tell you, I will agree with this. The first, the very first time I read 
how he defined a line. I, 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 I clutched my pearls <laughs> because I thought, oh my God, the definition that we have of a line now is so much better. And I think, you know, we have a, a professor that is, if you dial up rigor to max and then you break the knob, like, you know, the, the stereo that like blows you out of your chair, like that yeah. rigor is blowing him out of his chair, right? Like that's, that's him with rigor. And I wonder how he would react to Euclid <laughs> as, as, a, as a student. Like, would he say, oh, the proof is inadequate? Uh, he'd make him do the assignment over. <laughs> <laughs> Fix this. I shan't read it. I shan't. But, yeah. you know, it, it's interesting because now we have symbolic geometry and trigonometry, which replaced that original geometry. I think, I think it's really interesting to see how far math has come. By the way, there's a book that this, this instructor recommended to me, which is amazing. It's called Aptly Enough, The Math Book, and it mm. talks about math over time. That's an elegant title. Isn't it, though? Yeah. It's really cool. Uh, it's got one page that is kind of a short uh, description of whatever the concept is, and then the other page is some art. And it's 250 uh, things that have happened in math over time. It's really great. But it got me thinking, if you think about things like computers, right, or cell phones or whatever, uh -huh. the very first one that was made, like, look at a computer, it was in a whole room. Yeah. Oh, man, remember what those things used to look yes, like? Yes, you know. Yeah. Remember and then the Commodore 64? <laughs> I had one of those. Uh, so I was at an awards ceremony yeah. this morning. Yeah. And they asked, we had a, a gentleman who won a 40-year service or who won, who earned, he won it. A 40-year service award. And so what they did for part of this was they years. asked, yes, oh, but they went and they asked students, current students, what uh, the world is like 40 years ago. They'd mentioned stuff to them. They'd ask them, you know, like, how much do you think a house costs? How much do you think this thing costs? And they were <laughs> like, the Macintosh computer, that's Apple. How much do you think it costs 40 years ago? And they were like, $100. And everybody at my table burst out laughing. They're like, we wish it only cost that much back then. But it's really interesting wow. to think about, you know, like where they started and how we've been able to build on that to improve it to make it into this great thing. So, so interestingly, um, the so later mathematicians like like Rene Descartes, who's uh -huh. also a philosopher, of course, uh, would would refine the stuff in the elements uh, over and over. But the sort of the the, the primary stuff within it uh, would be unchallenged for a couple thousand years. Man, that's yeah. so cool. But okay, guys. Listeners, I'm going to need you to back me up on this, okay? Because I have a joke that I would like to share. Oh, man. I'm I, so glad that you said that because you set me up perfectly what, for this joke. 2,000 years? A couple thousand yes, years? Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. Here it is. Here it is. It's so bad. It's funny, but I'm going to put a laugh track in because it's so good. <laughs> so here it is. Okay. Now, there's a cartoon and these two geometers are talking to each other and they're mm. little shapes. And it says, one of them says, if Euclid were alive today, do you think he would be looked upon as a remarkable person? And the other guy says, are you ready for this? The other, yeah, I'm ready. Okay, the other guy says, by all means, he would be over 2,000 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I made you laugh. I told you it was so oh, bad. Man. It's good. Oh, boy. Um... Yeah, get that laugh track ready to go. <laughs> well, in any case, it is a wonderful book with all its imperfections. <laughs> One of those rare pieces that was already pretty famous in its own time. And uh, you know, as we've uh, 
mentioned one of the first books they ran once the, uh, no, we didn't mention this. One of the first books they ran once the printing press was invented. That's so neat. And right. it, it's so cool that art, architecture, math in general, all of this is based on that Euclidean geometry yep. for a hundred generations. So next episode, we will explore what was actually written on those magical scrolls. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Infinitely Irrational. For more fun, the research, and math behind this episode, visit us on the web at www.infinitelyirrational.com. This episode was edited by Mathematical Expressions. This episode was written and narrated by Mathematical Expressions and Kay. Research for this episode was compiled by Kay. See you next time! 